you need to make sure that you're doing it with the right authenticity. Mm. If anything's out of line, it's going to impact things at an even bigger scale than it was before. And that's part of why it can be so hard or shot in the dark to get promoted. You want to make sure that you're doing things right for the right reason. Welcome everyone today to the Tech Guide podcast, where we give actionable advice to those wanting to break into tech or looking for their next gig. We have Brad Messer on the podcast today. Welcome, Brad. Excited to talk about your story, data science, machine learning, and so much more. So thank you for being here today. Yeah. Thank you for letting me join you. I appreciate it. Yes. And our first question I want to start off with is I want to go to a recent time to May 2023, because you were working with IBM for seven years. And then you jumped to start your own company, Structure AI, and you're also a CTO at SGS. Let's start with May 2023. What are some of the events that led up to this moment of you really starting out? So I just knew I wasn't in a position where I was happy with the work. And so it's, it's always about pursuing your own happiness. And if you're not doing that there's a bunch of others there's a bunch of other things that aren't going to line up from very fundamental standpoints where it, it's just gonna gonna get the piping all out of whack with how you behave on the job yeah. and everything you just you're not who you, you're not who you're supposed to be and it, it it's time to <laughs> so, still love them still love everything that they have to offer and it just wasn't for me in the long term. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a little bit about structure AI. Was this something that you were like building out on like the side before you took that jump? Or was it like, I'm going to jump in May 2023 and then build this out? So it was more of the latter rather than the former hmm. because mostly because of so how they do IP licensing mm. and so roughly just anything you, you want to keep a tight eye on your IP licensing agreements with the companies that you get into. So typically this is an interesting area because if they didn't do it, you wouldn't even be able to merge your code with your teammates code in version control, build it mm. and ship it. And that leads to all sorts of trouble. Yeah. But if they didn't do it, it's so it just gets to be a little crazy in that respect. And so kind of being on your own. So kind of shifting to where I was on my own, but still kind of active, let me be places like here, kind of talking a bit more yeah. and really getting myself out there like I wanted to without necessarily having to go through formal channels. Mm. So trying to go through, trying to go through companies, formal channels can, it, the things can take longer <laughs> yeah can you kind of clarify like what you mean by like former channels i, I it's that that one's going right over my head yeah what do you mean by former channels 
Sorry. So if you wanted to do like a podcast or you wanted to do anything mm. like that, it's got to be reviewed by, and it's relevant to industries in which you, they work, mm -hmm. they're going to be reviewing your material before it gets published. Makes sense. So even if you know that you're offering good material, it's going through it's going through the marketing, sales, brand, et cetera, teams to make sure that it can go up, which uh, is very good. It's very good to have that in a business. You want to make sure everything has one voice. Mm -hmm. You don't want to say anything that is going to, per you don't want to disturb anything related to the business. For sure. But. I also knew that I wasn't going to say anything that would. Yeah. And so I, it, it was right for me. So I made the decision for myself. <laughs> that is fair. Can you talk to us a little bit more? Can you give the audience um, some more context around like structure AI and like what you're doing? Yeah. So we're in a AI licensing model. And so the, so what we would offer to clients is that you can come to us with an idea, then we will help you write up that idea, get it patented, and then we can license that to a wider community. And that's more so, so that you don't have to have, you don't have to have that know-how if you're not an expert in the area. Why we go with a licensing model is that, amongst other things, it is the highest form of leverage from a business. Okay. Yeah. So you can be, I, I'll just iterate a little bit, elaborate a little bit, but you know, you can be the person front lines doing the work. You can be managing a team of people who do the work. Or you can develop the business, which makes the work available for everybody. Mm. And there's like increasing amounts of leverage as yeah. you go along in your career. And so as you learn and gain, as you learn and advance in your career, you learn more about these different forms of leverage. And also how to introduce products into the marketplace to get the maximal effect. And where I took inspiration from this from was from Alex Ramosi, who originally was doing gym launch. Yeah. And so they would fly out, they would turn around a gym and then how do I say? So they would turn around a gym and then hand the keys back over, but they would have to do it. Mm. But instead they packaged everything, then put the, they would teach people how to do it. And that's an even higher form of leverage because you can just expand infinitely. Yep. And so that's the, so that's the reason why we're doing a licensing model because you can pretty much expand it as much as you want. Interesting. Yeah. How did, sh 
let's talk about like leverage it like in a career as well. It's like you get older, you're like you'll learn like more forms of leverage. Can you like expand on that thought as well? Like why? I mean, it's pretty intuitive why you want to look for leverage or like why do you want to look for leverage when you're building a company or just anything in your career? Okay. Yeah. So leverage as well as the ideas that you have are what's going to make an impact on society. Yeah. And so the more that you give back to society, hmm. the more you get back in return. And so that is, and so I'm, I don't always hear it communicated it this way, but a career is an art form in the respect of, I wouldn't think of getting rich as what you can do for yourself. It's what you can do for the community. Mm. And then everything else, for instance, that comes along with it is a very calculated business decision. And the only reason to get the nicer stuff is to close bigger deals. And that's it. Like, so now for going after higher forms of leverage, in a sense, which idea is worth more to the market? Okay. So I've come up with probably 10 different business ideas in the last three weeks. And thank you. And so. I have, I can handle going after those business ideas in different ways. Do I want to sit in and help develop each business? Should I sit more at the CTO level and develop the businesses from a CTO level? Mm. And what does that look like? What people do I bring in? It's an, so it's an art form that. And what I'm trying to do is I want to sit more at the CTO level, stay hands off, but do more strategy. And the reason being is because I can then go and leverage brand as a competitive advantage. Mm. I can go figure out other ideas that need work done at the same time, understand what's not get, getting done fast enough. And then make sure that there's workers applied to that so that we meet our goals. Mm. And in that sense, I've been going through the, I've been going through deep learning AI's AI for good coursework. And I just got done with the climate change one. Mm. And of course it was recorded four years ago, five years ago at this point, yeah. but it still rings true to where if you're only considering current policies, there's going to be a three degree Celsius rise by the end of the century, which is catastrophic for life on earth. And so my point is that rather than sitting in then rather than sitting in the business and with my head down and figuring just hacking away at my code yeah. because there's all of these other problems that are surrounding that 
you need to execute, you kind of need to have the viewpoint of a portfolio of projects that you have going on because everything's going to, of course, there's only so much that you can get done because humans yeah. do so much. But the point being is that there's a lot of big stuff that needs to happen in short order. Yeah. So that we survive. And that's to me huge. Now, of course, I don't want to oversell it. And I don't want to undersell it, but that is what I'm looking at. Mm. You made like a really interesting point in there of like when you're a founder, like CTO, like you have what you're working on, your head might not be like straight in the code, like laptop, like every day. I'm curious what has been like the biggest shift from like an employee mindset to like, the CTO, like founder mindset. Yeah. So I've had to learn about a lot of business. So I've had to learn the I've had to learn about the competitive advantages of a business, competitive mm. scale of a business. Uh, let's see, accounting, marketing, sales. I'm trying to think what else. So branding, honestly, a big part of branding, regardless of where you go, is actually going to be spirituality. Mm. Because if you... And I say this, you know, I don't mean to cause any strife or anything, yeah. but if you are ready to receive that, the money that's going to come in, it's going, and you also aren't doing it for the right reasons. It's going to affect your marketing. It's going to affect your sales. It's going to affect everything. And so... As you start to switch in, you need to make sure that you're doing it with the right authenticity. Mm. If anything's out of line, it's going to impact things at an even bigger scale than it was before. And that's part of why it can be so hard or shot in the dark to get promoted. You want to make sure that you're doing things right for the right reason. Yeah. And if anything's out of alignment whatsoever, then it becomes our job to get it in alignment if that's what we want. And if it's out of alignment, even still, you'll be better served by going to get it addressed anyways, mm. because it'll only make you a better human in the long run. Yeah. I think that's like really important thing to talk about. And like when someone's like young in their career is like being aligned with what you want to be doing. If that's for monetary reasons, if it's for freedom reasons, if it's for just like what you're passionate about doing, I think it's really important to be aligned. Um, so when you do start something, you're starting it with the right intentions. Very much so. I, so personally, I was a little, I was listless early on. Like I was very excited by what I worked on. But I was still, I still wasn't in, I, you know, I was inspired, but not, but I think still like naively inspired, not like a fully informed inspired. Mm. And so that is something that I had to learn and then learn how to address over time. And so I gained... Because I was always more of a 
boner growing up. And so I didn't realize how much interpersonal dynamic went into this stuff. And that was on me. And, but, you know, I learned and I grew a lot more than I ever expected. And, but it was well worth it. I think that's like really cool. Like when you do get to look back and reflect on like areas that you've grown for like you, like it's interpersonal reasons. But I think that's it's something that's really rewarding about starting your own business or doing your own project or just reflecting back is, oh, I've made progress in like this area more than I ever thought I would. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. So let's talk a little bit more about moving from that employee mindset to this. Oh, I need to know accounting. I need to know brand, I need marketing, I need sales, and even interpersonal skills. Was there one that has been like more challenging to learn than the others for you? So it is always about who you surround yourself with. Mm. And so it all depends on how you want to execute. Yeah. So there's multiple different ways that you could launch a startup. Okay. Mm. There's bootstrapping, there's angel investors, there's venture capitalists, there's incubators, accelerators. And I mean, the list just keeps going. Yeah. And so if you go it alone, you end up having to take on more of that work yourself mm -hmm. because you won't have that expertise surrounding you. But if you choose to have and what you save is that you get more equity in the business, okay? Mm -hmm. When the business is bigger later on, if it gets bigger later on. Okay. Now, if you choose to get more people around you early on, you may end up sacrificing equity. You may end up sacrificing yeah. some level of early cash. Mm -hmm. And so it really depends. One thing I would definitely make sure of is that people are ready at some level to do some level of sweat equity. Yeah. Because you're going to get, if an angel investor gives you 75K in three months, that's all you're getting. I have been in instances, I put my own money into the business. And then immediately people are like, I want to take full salaries. And I'm like, you realize the business is going to die in three months, right? If you do. Yeah. And they would be like, yeah, but I want my money. And I'm like, no. So see ya. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't know what doesn't. <laughs> like. I'm never about. I'm never about not paying people what they're worth. But. There is a, if you're going to get in, if you're going to get into an early stage startup that's cash strapped, you have to be prepared for sweat equity. There is no way around that. Yeah. Would you recommend someone early and on in their career to work for a startup or go like a corporate route? It depends on, I would say, how knowledgeable you are relative to where you're getting out. So series, I would say that series B slash series C later are typically going to be stable enough that a new person should be able to get in. Okay. Yeah. But Siri, but pre-seed and so 
seed in stage A is probably too early. Mm. And it's just relative to the quality of the work we're going to get for what we have to pay. And it's not to be mean. It's just that you're very early on. Mm. We're not going to get quite the same quality as if we, because part of leverage is that we have 75, say 75,000. Yeah. And okay. We can give that to somebody, but you get to decide how that money is used. Yeah. And so if you have your choice, how are you going? That's where you have to start learning about hiring and recruiting and for sure, all of this fun stuff. And so, yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a journey. Mm -hmm. You'll start to learn about the team dynamics, the different levels of expertise for sure. And it, so it's definitely an interesting journey. Yeah. I think what's really important as well to note is, so I had the corporate experience. I worked for HubSpot. I don't even know how many employees. They have a lot of employees now, but now I'm also working for more of like a startup feel. And when you go work for corporations, a lot of times they're just looking for specialists, just vertically aligned, like you do one task every day. And when you go work for some companies that are like a series or like a series A and pre-seed, you're probably be wearing a lot more different hats. And so I think if someone is wanting to get early, wanting to think about their career, which they want to do, I want to know sales to heart or do I want to be a generalist in five different things? I think that's really important alignment to have as well. Yeah. And I know for me that I would rather, I have the deep experience in software, but then yeah. I also built it up so that I could combine it with software research. And then also think about the economy with business from different industry verticals and then be like, okay, so I have all of this knowledge. Now, if I go to pair up with somebody who's a domain expert, mm. like when I got in, when I got involved in my, when I first got, when I first got out of IBM and I was getting involved, it was like zero to one plan of here's how to automate the entire job role. Yes. And we never, unfortunately, we didn't get past stage one, but mm -hmm. it just, the business that we were partnering with at the time, just, they had to get some stuff in order before they yeah. were really ready to scale. And the industry wasn't really quite, they weren't really reacting quite yet. So I was like, eh, it's probably not time right now. Yeah. And I do want to talk about that because like you made an interesting point, like, automate a whole job. I mean, in the few, in a few years, I don't think that'll be like a crazy thing to think is like someone's whole job might be automated. Can you talk with us a little bit more about like how someone that's young should consider AI and like how it could replace them essentially? <laughs> well, so here's the thing, at least if you're a software engineer, yeah, your job is to replace yourself on a daily basis anyways. Hmm. That's like the minimum of how you know you're doing a good job. Hmm. So if I'm a developer, I'm writing code, I'm writing build scripts, I'm writing automation, which 
gives me higher forms of leverage to do my job more quickly. And so when you do the job the best, the there's a slight amount of over-automation such that any task that gets handed to you, you can probably, a two-day task might take two hours. Mm. So one of those ideas was I would have to, so before I left IBM, we would compile deep learning models. We would check their accuracy. And if anything was off, we had to go make sure. So what I would do is I would be like, okay, well, here's the predicted results. Here's the actual results. I would make a histogram plot of each, make sure the histogram lined up. And that made my life a lot easier. Oh, for sure. Because if one model failed, typically a lot of them. Fair. And so, yes, I stayed up to, I stayed up one Friday night till 1 a.m. working on this automation. Oh, man. But it made my life so much easier mm. in the subsequent weeks. It was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, like automation, I think like automation engineering, I think is like really sweet. Can you talk to us a little bit more about like how someone's like, okay, like I want to learn a lot more about automation. Like where would you advise them to check out? Like what courses would you recommend that they take? So it really depends on the tech stacks that you're working in. Mm. So I was working in IBM Z at the time. So we have, so the difference between where we're at in like Linux. So the mainframe is big Indian as opposed to little Indian, mm. which means all, all memory is stored in reverse order and that we, so, and that we operate in EBCDIC as opposed to the ASCII code pages, mm. which means text is interpreted differently based on the bytes that are available. And so it really depends on the different tech stacks. And so when I was in that job role, we would use, so we would use Jenkins a lot. And so I learned Jenkins in depth, you know. I learned Kubernetes. I learned Docker. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a lot of resources cataloged for that on my uh, LinkedIn page. So it's all under, you'll see coursework. And then there isn't a section on LinkedIn for book. Yeah. So I was like, well, by the end of the day, it's equivalent to a course. So I'm like, good compromise. I'm, yeah. I like so, that. Yeah. So I've got everything that I've done listed. Well, not everything, but relatively well-groomed list there. And if there's any questions, you can reach out to me and yeah. I'll give you that material. What tech stack would you recommend people right now to focus on? If there was like just one tech stack that you think will be universal, evergreen, we'll be using it in 20 years, which, what would you recommend? Oh, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> so I would probably look somewhere between, I'd probably look more towards GCP or Azure right now, just because they're in the lead. 
Mm. So I do know GCP. They have also learned AWS. I have an affinity for Linux more than I do Windows. Personal bias, not saying it isn't good or bad. It just is. And so, but Azure is making very good plays based on their integrations with or with GPT-4 and the other services like ChatGPT. So the relationship with OpenAI has been beneficial because they Mm -hmm. essentially, OpenAI comes becomes to Microsoft, like what DeepMind became to Google. Yep. And yeah. so, yeah. Also just to consider within the last couple of months, DeepMind actually merged with Google Brain. Mm. And so, yeah, that was definitely interesting. Yeah. I think the integration with uh, ChatGPT and, or OpenAI, I should say, with Microsoft has been like, that's just huge with all the distribution points that Microsoft has, like Word, PowerPoint, Slides. I think it like actually changed the game totally for OpenAI when that news was announced. Yeah, no, oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I think there was something where they're just bringing Python to Excel and I'm like, what? Yeah, that was news yesterday. I saw that as well, actually. <laughs> yeah. I just, I know for me, like, I tend to be an engineer, so if I see, I don't want Excel on my resume, but that's, again, that's me personally, I'm not saying it isn't a good thing to have in your resume. That is fair. I like that. And last question for you, Brad, like what general career advice, if you give two points of career advice you'd give to someone that's young in their career, what would you give to them? Oh, so don't be afraid to get involved Mm. and be targeted about what you get involved with Mm. because you want to have, because early on, you don't realize how different ideas monetarily stack up and rank against each other, you kind of start to build that up over time. Mm. So unfortunately, you end up diving headfirst into whatever sounds good and it kind of leads you along your way. Yep. But don't be afraid to find a good role model, somebody that you would like to emulate, see how they see what their role is relative to the greater team, understand if that's what you want, understand how the team feels about them, and then dive in. But also know that you can also twist and navigate. I've kind of always liked the research slant ever so slightly, but that I was able to take that and form that into my different thing. Mm. And so it's always about where you want to end up. And so you can take on, and so y'all get to different, you get to different places depending on what you take on. And it's all just about what you want. Keep yourself happy. I like that. Well, Brad, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate this conversation. Ton of good advice here, just working with startups, software engineering. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay. Thank you. Bye.